Jim Shoemaker is a registered representative and investment advisor representative of Securian Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Rob Clement is a registered representative of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Now, your host, Jim Shoemaker. Whether you're a baby boomer or a millennial, it doesn't seem to matter. A common concern is always money. Welcome to today's program. We've got a packed program lined up for you today. Plenty of information and education with some entertainment thrown in for just for good measure. Let me remind you that if you have questions, you can text them to Jim, J-I-M, 901-683-0989, or email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. Today, we have Dr. Kevin Westbrook from Union University. He is a principal with Strategic Aim Consulting to discuss the job market and what he sees for the near future and how it affects you. Also, joining me, a frequent guest, Rob Clement, to discuss the topic that we always receive calls about, elder financial abuse. And in the second half of the program, we have the professor, Daniel Irwin. He was going to take us to Scam School, Shop Safe and Shop smart. But first, our question from Mr. Reggie today, he says, I am thinking about changing jobs. I have an opportunity to go to work with a new company here in the city. The concern is I have been with my current company for 20 years. Stability is a factor. I have a family, two kids, wife works. She has a good job. Is it okay to change his job? That's a great question. Welcome to the program, Dr. Westbrook. Thank you, sir, for joining us this morning. It's great to be here, Jim, and I really appreciate that question. Well, a couple of things, there are always some risks to consider. First of all, the stability of the job you want to go into. Uh, the company Is the company stable, possibly? Uh, is the job stable? Is there sustainability? I, I want us to remember that as companies may begin to start tightening the belt a little bit on expense side, Last person hired may be the first person laid off. It was last in, last out, first out. First out, right. And so there's always a problem there that uh, we might have to encounter down the road based on a decision. It's also interesting, there are a couple statistics that I've recently come across that uh, they've done a survey of people that have changed jobs. And normally 20 to 30% of people that left the job for a new job when surveyed said, you know, I think I may have made a mistake. I'm really not as happy as I thought I was going to be. The grass is not always greener on the other side. I think uh, we have to really think about the, the regret factor. The, the, we call it buyer remorse and marketing, but it's kind of like the, the new job applicant remorse that once we go and, and we find that other job that we think we're going to like, like rather, are we really better off? Two out of five people stated they were better off in the old job than the new one. And that's something to really consider. That's actually 40% of people that change jobs sort of regretted it afterwards. So that's that goes back to the great resignation that we talked about a couple of months ago. Really, you know, it took place in 2020 to 2021 where just everybody seemed to be resigning and looking or whatever. And so is that the group that you're talking about or is that even later than that? Well, you know, the, the great resignation that we talk about is actually started a number of years ago. We, we've done some tracking. Uh, the Harvard Business Review Review actually came out with a study uh, a couple of years ago where they began tracking quit rates or quit ratios. And we found that over the last roughly 10 years, we've been on this trajectory to actually uh, 
people are going to quit their jobs and, and seek something else out. And there are a lot of reasons for that. Obviously, it's more pay that they want. They want more flexibility in their job, work-life balance. The greatest number of people that are actually resigning, believe it or not, are not young folks or old folks, but it's folks right in their mid-career, the 25 to 45 uh, age range, which I found to be interesting. It's sort of like they go through a midlife crisis and they decide, do I really want to do this the rest of my career? And that's the number of people uh, in the majority of people that are looking for new jobs right now. I think that would be almost what Reggie, I'm not saying he's in it because he says I'm married. I have two kids. He didn't say how old he was. He said he'd been with the company about 20 years. So he had been a permanent employee, you know, some something like this. So it sounds like that's the type of person you're talking about. Yeah, I think people come to a point and um, I, I've already surpassed uh, the age of 40 or 45, but uh, I think people come to a point where they say, look, I've been doing this for 20 or 25 years. Is this something I want to do for the next 20? Or do I want to change now while I can, while I'm still attractive, if you will, as a worker to an employer, I can change now, go into a new job and have a new career and, and really a reset of my life. That's a, that's a great point. If you just joined us, talking with Dr. Kevin Westbrook, a professor at Union University, and he's also a principal at Strategic Aim Consulting, does a lot of um, consulting with firms and companies, basically around job employment, HR work, and so he's an expert in this area, and thank you, uh, Kevin, for what you're sharing with us. Coming up, don't remind you that elder abuse is our second topic, and then scam school with, you know, everybody knows who Dell Irwin is, and that's the bottom line, and uh, we just go for from there, but uh, Daniel Irwin, not Dale Irwin, Daniel. I do that all the time, don't I, Daniel? You, you know, do. I do. You know, what can I say? Dale Irwin, Daniel Irwin, I got it. Okay, Kevin, let's stay, stay with you, because here's the subject. I want to know, if if Reggie's asking the question, I don't know where he's going to work, he didn't mention the company, he didn't say anything, he says, but I want to ask this question to you, companies that are looking for good workers, those that are the, mm -hmm. you know, the ones that, the hot jobs, where would you say that that's the biggest talent deficiency? I mean, you know what I'm talking about? If I was thinking sure. about changing, where should I be looking? Sure. So uh, recent stats that have come out and, and people are talking about this all the time in the literature, but the top jobs right now for 2022, and this is not necessarily in any particular rank order. I'm just going to kind of read through some of the list. First off, anything dealing with technology, IT, data, data analytics, data analysis, hot jobs right now. Uh, companies are still looking for sales and marketing folks salespeople that can go out and actually generate revenue for the organization. Operations, logistics, I know that's a big uh, opportunity for us right here in Memphis being the logistics hub of the, the Mid-South or even the, even the country for that matter. A lot of job openings right now in the warehousing and logistics side, especially in the trucking side. Uh, there's a shortage of truck drivers across the entire country as we've, we've probably heard about. And then the manufacturing and production sector are hot jobs right now. And then the last two that I want to mention are the what I call the customer facing or the front office folks. These are folks that are in customer service. These are folks that are they're dealing directly with customers. Uh, obviously, retail would fall underneath that particular type of industry. And then lastly, we're always looking for great engineers, folks that come out of a STEM program, let's say, that maybe have a mathematical background or an in engineering background or always in high demand across the various disciplines of engineering. You know, Kevin, I read something recently from Axio that said that uh, today employment, you know, the idea behind there's two jobs for every employer, mm. for every job, two, two jobs for every personal employee looking for a job, and that minimum wage now is, uh, you know, the, the idea of minimum wage, only 1.5% of the whole country is really making minimum wage. Basically, the average minimum wage is now exceeding $12, $13, $14, $15. 
But let me ask you this, because you've talked about this before, this boomerang generation, the ones that have been working, the boom, I mean, it's boomers, but they're going back to work. Yeah, the, when the boomerang are, th these are people that had a job, they left the company, they decided they didn't like uh, what they were going to do in the new job, or maybe they took a year off, and so they go back to their previous employer and they ask for their job back. That's what we call boomerang employees. In other words, they've gone out and they're coming back. Um, a recent study indicated that about 33% or roughly one-third of, of hires over the last three years are actually boomerang employees. And these are people that the employer wants back. Obviously, they've, they've re-recruited them. And what's interesting is, is that the average time that a boomerang employee is out of the, out of the job or uh, away from the employer is about 13 months. So it's usually uh, a 12-month respite, if you will, a year off, and then they want to come back and work for the previous company. And there's always an opportunity when those employees do that to renegotiate their salary. On an average, and this is, I found this to be startling, those boomerang employees that came back and renegotiated their salary got a 25% raise over their previous salary. That's amazing. So the risk for that person, the boomeranger, if you want to call it boomeranger, I guess that's okay. That's fine. <laughs> but the reality is they're coming back making more money than when they left because of I, what would be the reason they just well, they know what they're doing yeah it's just negotiation it's just leverage it's, it's the fact is that I'm, I'm a great employee I left you I've got intellectual capital I've walked out with all this knowledge and this know-how you need me back therefore I'm willing to come back and I'll tell you it's really a win-win for employers because what they're able to do, even though they, they may have to pay a little higher in salary, is the training costs and the onboarding cost, uh, the cost of production are reduced uh, when you bring an employee back that's had previous experience and that knowledge base is there. And that's really an advantage to uh, a, a great benefit to the employer to hire you back. Wow, that, that makes a lot of sense. So, so that's a person that if they're thinking about going, this is a great time to go back to work if they're thinking about it. Absolutely. And right now, estimates estimate around 23 million people are in what we call that latent period. In other words, these are people that are considering returning to work if the right offer comes back to them. Wow. That's, that's phenomenal. So I know the a lot of economic analysis. I know we're talking about possible recession. I know that's uh, the inflation still rocks along pretty high, and we, we see it begin to slow down a little bit. But that's affecting you know labor costs, as you're saying, a 25 percent increase or 25 dollar you know increase. So let me ask you this: when it comes to unemployment, when we mm. say that we're at 3.7 percent unemployment, what? currently is our Tennessee, our Shelby County unemployment rate, and how do you see that beginning to affect us as, as our own economy? Yeah, so uh, depending on what uh, report you look at, we're at 3.5%, 3.7% 3 nationally. nationally. Uh, Tennessee's tracking pretty close to that percentage right now. When you pull Shelby County, the most recent statistics that I saw, we're in the neighborhood of around 6% unemployment. So we're, we're a little higher, obviously, than the state of Tennessee and the national figures. Is that is that because we don't spend the energy and the time and the effort for the training aspect of the education that's needed for this type job? Yeah, I think yes, yes, and absolutely. And, and we know that uh, there, there are great plans ahead of us with Blue Oval coming in just up the road on Interstate 40. Um, to your point, I think there needs to be a radical infusion of some capital into the training aspects here in, in, Tennessee, in Tennessee, West Tennessee and certainly in the Shelby County area. 
uh, we've got to uh, we've got to have a more educated workforce, if you will, around the technical skills that are going to be required with some of these new employers that may be coming into the area, such as the Ford Motor Company. You know, with Ford, we're going to do an interview with them in October. And uh, I know you and I were in a meeting here recently where they, they spoke. And I mean, the reality is they need the workforce and they're going to be paying higher than average workers. These are not... Uh, you know, the $15 an hour worker, they're making right. $30, $35 an hour. So so what would you say if you were, you, if a student walks into your classroom, and of course that's college, but what would you say to a young person, 18, 19, 20 years old, just how would you encourage them to say, hey, this is a game changer for you. This is really changing your economic status, your social status, everything. What would you say? Well, I get this question a lot. And, and of course, I, it being a college professor, I'm in the business, obviously, of educating people from a collegiate standpoint. But uh, honestly, not everybody's cut out or doesn't want to go to college. So I would probably encourage them, and I do encourage them, to think about picking up a trade. Going to a trade school, getting a set of skills that is that are needed right now. You know, we think about new manufacturers coming in. There's going to be a semi-skilled workforce that's going to be in high demand. Folks that can weld, folks that are machinists and so forth, and these types of jobs, it, it may be better for an individual just that they're mechanically inclined or they, or they may want to have a job like that to go off to one of the trade schools and actually get a, a two-year degree in, a, in one of the trades. You know, some of us are mechanically inclined and some of us are not. I sure. was in the Navy long enough that they, they tested us extremely, you know, a lot. And they just said, you know, you don't need to go to electrician school. You don't, you can't spell electricity. I mean, it was quite, they knew that I was not geared. Now, my dad was, you would have thought somewhere genetically, but I, that was not me. And therefore, for the Navy wouldn't even consider me to be on a ship and work in a, you know, as a plumber or electrician or a welder, just not, they made me a corpsman, okay? And I totally understood that. That's what we need to see here is sometimes we used to do some work with some kids years and years ago, helping them take certain tests to evaluate their skill set. We don't see that as much anymore. Everybody's kind of told this is where you go. Well, certainly, and there are tools out there to assess aptitude and skill sets and competencies. Uh, I know the military does the ASVAB, which right. is a very good test to help you know ascertain whether or not you have mechanical skill or a mechanical mindset. And I know the answers to those questions, by the way. <laughs> but, but there are also uh, there are also other tools out there that people can take. Uh, in, in your local high school, the high school should be offering those tests to their students to kind of help them... To, to understand their aptitudes. Hey, and go talk to people. If you're thinking about becoming a welder or you're thinking about becoming an electrician or one of those types of semi-skilled uh, work uh, jobs that you might have, go talk to people that are actually doing it and and intern with them or, or just follow them around and see if that's really what you want to do. I mean, we heard about it, numbers of 5,000 employees. And I mean, you know, I had talked to a man that runs a big plumbing company here in the city. He's a good friend of mine. And he says, you know, the concern that he doesn't have, he's already working towards maintaining his employee. But he said, there's going to be a lot of folks that find themselves nobody working for them anymore because they've gone up there to, to the Blue Oval City. And that's going to be an issue. So we need that influx, as you're saying, the education. Gen, Gen C, Gen Zs, I know there's something about Gen Zs. Explain it. That's that group we're talking about. Okay, so Gen Zs are the uh, the age group that is now uh, in their early 20s or perhaps coming out of college. And these are... These are people that uh, are either in a cohort uh, that are, are significantly different than the millennials and maybe the baby boomers where I where I am. Um, and so we need to uh, to understand what their their desires are and their interest in, and really their expectations are around coming into the workforce. 
And, and right now, I can tell you that the top two things that are driving the Gen Zs, according to a recent study by the Center for Generational Kinetics, is they are wanting good starting job salaries. They're wanting, they're wanting compensation. Obviously, many of them have uh, student loans they're trying to pay off from schooling. And they're wanting flexibility around schedules as well as um, the potential to grow within their salary range. Wow, that's, uh, that's important for them. Uh, you know, if you just tuned in, of course, we're talking with Dr. Kevin Westbrook. If you'd like to talk to Kevin, here's his telephone number. It's 901-258-0227, 258-0227. He's a principal with Strate- Strategic AIM Consulting. Kevin, in your summary, what would you tell an employer that they need to be doing to find these employees? Well, first of all, um, work your pipeline. Have as many alternatives out there possible to find the next recruit and, and, and work a, a dedicated hiring strategy. And then, and then what I recommend people do is, is to really sit back and consider the job requirements and the job descriptions for each job. Are there people out there that we might be missing in the, in the workforce that could be obviously a capable worker just because we've got such refinement on our job descriptions? Uh, you may be able to hire a non-traditional person in that uh, you normally wouldn't hire that may end up being one of your best types of workers. And then start looking at your benefit programs. Are you competitive in the marketplace with what's being offered out there in terms of flex schedules and hybrid models where I come to work a couple of days a week and maybe I'm at home remotely a couple of days a week? Uh, looking for a, additional benefits that people are demanding. Uh, I mean, it, it's getting crazy out there in, in some markets about what companies are actually offering now in terms of uh, on-site child care services, for example, and so forth. So these are things that uh, we, we need to be looking at in our own companies. Dr. Kevin Westbrook, 258-0227. If you'd like to give him a call, that's the prince. he's a principal also with Strategic Aim Consulting, professor at Union University. Thank you, Kevin. Appreciate you very much, man. It's been a pleasure being with you today. All right, sir. Let's move our attention to something that is just going, it's, it's just everywhere, and it's something we want to talk about. And uh, I want to welcome to the program Rob Clement. He is a frequent guest of ours. And Rob, thank you, sir, for joining us talking about elder abuse. Great to be here this morning, Jim. All right, Rob, here's my thoughts. I mean, I want to talk in the remaining time we've got before the break is warning signs of elder abuse. I mean, warning signs, things to look for, because I think it creeps up on a family. We talked about this actually last time, and we had a lot of comments about it. Warning signs, what would you consider number one? Well, absolutely. The number one thing is, and we see it so often, is isolation. We find that with seniors, uh, many times they're widows or widowers, or perhaps they don't have any children around them. And so consequently, they're out there and they're by themselves and they're trying to figure life out now as a single person again. And where do I go for help? Who do I trust? And so isolation can also lead to some real downfall type of thing within people's lives and their personalities. You know, last time we had you and Daniel on, Daniel actually mentioned a case that was going on that the individual lived in Millington and family member lived in Minnesota. And all of a sudden there was just something going on. Daniel, explain it. I think that's important for our listening audience to understand. Yeah, it's, you know, you, you, you touched on it. You said isolation. And one thing that came to mind is if you're not checking on your, your loved ones, someone else is. If they're not talking to you, they're talking to someone else. And in the case that you described, it was a, it was a family member in Minnesota, but someone had been talking to them here in Memphis and he wasn't here. So he didn't know what was going on. And so it can be really, really hard if you're not checking in on a regular basis. Again, 
with isolation, seniors are lonely. If they're not talking to you, they're going to talk to somebody else it's, and someone's going to listen to them. And that's a prime time that scammers can come in because they'll take the time to listen to their day. Yeah, that's especially if they've had that companion, they've had that socialization and right. all of a sudden they wake up and, you know, it's the, I had one individual said he just got tired going from one room to the next because every time he did, he saw his wife. And that was that right. was the problem. So well, that's isolation. We're social creatures by nature. We need other people in our lives. So, again, if you're not fulfilling that need for your family member, that family member is someone out there is going to talk to them. And, and unfortunately, a lot of times it's bad actors. It's someone that's not after, you know, it doesn't have good intentions. Right. right. Exactly. So, yeah, that's a great point. Well, when we come back after the break, I want you to talk about, you know, we talk just briefly the new people in their life, and that's critical. So stay with us because I've got Rob Clement. We talk about warning signs of elder abuse and coming up after Rob, Scam School, <laughs> Professor Daniel Irwin from the Better Business Bureau. We'll be back in just a moment. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Helping you make the most of your money. Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker on News Talk 98.9. Neither Shoemaker Financial nor Securian Financial Services are affiliated with Kevin Westbrook, Strategic AIM Consulting, Daniel Irwin, or the Better Business Bureau. The views and opinions expressed are those of Kevin Westbrook and Daniel Irwin only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Securian Financial Services, Inc. or Shoemaker Financial. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Now, your host, Jim Shoemaker. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money, and thank you for joining us this morning, and thank you for being a part of the program. I remind you, if you have a question for us, text Jim, J-I-M, to 901-683-0989, and we'll be glad to get it on the air, or you can send it to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. Also, you can find our show, Talk Money, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker, subscribe to the podcast, and please leave us a review. Now, we're talking about warning signs of elder abuse. My guest, Rob Clement, talks about this a lot, spends a lot of time counseling individuals, working through issues. But, Rob, next thing I wanted to ask you about is that new people in someone's life, that's a critical problem. Well, with isolation that we just spoke about, then you get that point where you begin to look around, you go, well, does anybody care for me? Who is out there that even knows that I'm going through what I'm going through? So then you find that the senior typically attaches themselves to somebody that's a new friend, a new person in their life. It could be just a person they meet at the supermarket or they met someplace. But that person needs to really be careful because with that person, you can end up being swindled. And so we really want to watch that. It can even be family members that a nephew or a niece that hadn't been in their life for a number of years. And then that senior ends up being taken 
Graham, I need this, or Pops, I need this. So you just got to be on your toes. So new people, or even, the, as you say, just requests and things like that. I know changes also, we see this, legal and financial documents. That's uh, really a sign that you have to be careful All the with. time. We are always asking our clients, okay, now why are we making this change? You, you've made a beneficiary change here. Why is that? Tell me about the person that you're putting as this new beneficiary. So it's watching those changes. So it's isolation, it's new people, and then it's making changes in legal documents. It could be wills that they've made their changes in. Daniel, I know you talk to a lot of people. Do you find that it's that, that, that the senior citizen, that the elder person that's living alone is more susceptible to scams? Because we're talking about a change in their financial documents. We're talking about that new person in their life. Yeah, I, I, I don't think you can overstate, you know, how how isolation really does affect somebody. So, yes, I do think if you live alone and you're used to, to someone else looking over your shoulder, you are more susceptible to scams. And another point, you know, we're talking about checking in on your loved ones. So many times I talk to a senior victim of a scam or just could be elder abuse. They know what's going on, but they don't want to tell a loved one because they're afraid their privileges and their rights might get taken uh. away. Well, that's an excellent point because you see that a lot of times because seniors tend to get ill, family members not there or a loved one's not there to take care of them. So someone else all of a sudden shows up and says, well, I'll take care of you. I'll take you to the doctor. I'll take you to this place. That's the new friend. That's actually that other person. That's another problem. That new friend shows up and says that. And seniors sometimes know that 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 person may be a danger or they may realize after it's already too late, oh, this person doesn't have my best interest at heart, but I can't tell my son, I can't tell my daughter because then they'll, they'll, they'll take away my freedom from my checking account or they'll, they'll take me, you know, off all my financials or they'll take my car keys away or or something like that. Right. So they're embarrassed and they're ashamed, but they also are afraid that their freedoms might be taken away. And I know that if that was me, I probably would be uh, hesitant to, to, to tell someone too. I don't. Uh, I don't want my freedoms taken away. I can understand that. And the fact is, you don't want to admit that there. You sense there's a problem because you don't know. Right. But you. The the freedom of having somebody that comes along. I mean, I know of a person right now that we are working with that uh, you know in her mid eighties, and uh, this caregiver has become a dear friend. Uh, and yet the family has got suspicions all over the place. And it's just the nature of the beast. The family wants to watch over it, but they don't live here, so they can't. And now you've got this person who is the quote-unquote dear friend, and that's really what you're talking about, that new person coming into the family. Yeah, Jim, it's a slippery slope because the, the senior many times is not making wise decisions, in, uh, and particularly in the financial area that we deal so closely with. And then in the legal area, it spills over to with making these long-term decisions that have been very little thought out. They've been more pushed than thought out. That's a great point. Now, you've mentioned this before, Rob, and I, and I had never thought about it, but all of a sudden, somebody changes an email address or all of a sudden they got a, a new phone number, a new phone or something. And I mean, that's a tilt, that's a that's a sign of elder abuse. Another one of those things. It's, uh, it's any time you start making changes, and, and it's so interesting it's contradictory what to what we think about seniors because usually we think oh they're resistant to change oh they're a senior well guess what they're they do make changes and they make changes of things like you said it can be a phone number it can be an email address it can be the fact that the, all of a sudden they're going online because they're so bored and they meet a stranger online so it's very very much a need for us to be real cautious and very guided 
very caring and loving for our seniors. And lastly, I would I would just add on this: the you know we see the physical change of people. We see that the fact that they're not eating and and uh, or maybe they're they look they have that forlorn look on their face. They're worried or, and they're wringing their hands. So the, we have to be. Uh, perceptive and watching out for those different evidences that that person is needing help and needing caring for. I think it's critical that you say that, and I, I think it's important. Daniel, you the thoughts? Yeah, I was just want to say I, I was speaking with a family member of a senior uh, a couple weeks ago, and this person gave me a really good piece of advice that they use, and they said they make sure that they call doctors after doctor's appointments because this this parent lives out of state because the the moment that new people are taking their loved one to the doctor is when they need to be looking. So they're 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 constantly calling and checking up on doctor's appointments even though they can't physically be here. And when the key question they're asking is, who took them to the doctor? How did they get there? Was there someone with them? What 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 personal information did you say to that person? When someone new is taking someone to the doctor on a consistent basis, that that, that this person told me that was a red flag for them. That's a great point because again, you're just paying attention uh, to what's going on with that elder, whether it's a family member or maybe it's a next door neighbor or somebody in your church that just somebody needs to be paying a little attention. We need to all be looking out for our elders. One quick tip. If you're a caregiver, give your phone number and have them text you as Daniel was talking about or have them call you. Every time that there's something happening, just have that number instead of their number. Yeah, that's a great, great point to know. Again, it's just paying attention. So it started out with isolation. And what I hear you saying is the isolation can be the culprit to almost all the other signs that you look at, whether it's new people in their lives, changing of their financial documents, they're, you know, they're going through that process, whether it's, you know, maybe a gatekeeper, a new friend that just shows up that you really, nobody hired the person, they're just there all of a sudden. Uh, again, new phone numbers, new email addresses, you mentioned that. And then unusual behavior, the, the, the depression, malnutrition. Man, there's just so much to be paying attention. So what we're saying on the program is pay attention. Well, it's a lot like war, Jim. When What do they do when they catch a prisoner in war? They put them in isolation. That's true. And that in itself because begins to be just like what we just discussed, a slippery slope down the wrong way. Speaking of slippery slopes, the scam school... Professor Daniel Irwin is here to talk about don't scan a scam. Daniel, just explain it. I'm concerned about it because it's happening here in our city. So we're talking about QR code scams. And and just for everybody's reference, uh, a QR code stands for a quick response code. And it's those little tiny matrix barcodes that you see everywhere. Uh, over the pandemic, they became more and more popular. They used to be on people's business cards. Uh, now you see them on restaurant menus. You see them. You see them everywhere. And basically, they're designed to scan from your phone. So the whole point of them is to scan them, and then it'll take you on it to a link somewhere, right? So that's what we call talk about when we say a QR code. It's a quick reference code. Companies use, use QR codes uh, to point customers to their apps, to track packages, uh, to view menus. Uh, but because the codes can't be read by the human eye. 
apply, uh, they become a way for scammers to disguise malicious links. So again, we are, you know, there, there's so many scams out there, but this is something that has become more of an issue since we've kind of come out of COVID. Uh, and we're going to go over some specific scams that are going on with QR codes uh, in Memphis. And this is one of those scams where, you know, so many of the scams we talk about are coming from overseas, all those phony phone calls and everything that you get. Those are all perpetrated usually overseas, uh, call centers in India, Jamaica, that kind of thing. The ones we're going to go over today are local Memphis people trying to rob your money through QR codes. All right. Before you go to the QR codes, because you just mentioned the phones and stuff. One thing you said last time we had you on, which by the way, Daniel is with us every, every first Saturday of every month. Of course, you know, he's with the Better Business Bureau. He does a fabulous job of walking us through all the problems. But one of the things, Daniel, that you mentioned last time, and I think I want to you to do it again before we get to the QR codes, phone numbers, phone calls, don't make them live. Right. So whenever you get a phone call and it's a scammer and you answer that call, that scammer knows that it's a live number. They're then going to take that number and they're going to sell that on the black market to other scammers who are then going to know that it's a live number. They're going to call you. You answer. They know it's a live number. They sell your number. They're making money every time they call you. And so as much as we want to answer that phone and give that scammer a piece of our mind or whatever, it's not good to do because it's you're just going to get more calls. Also, uh, when you get on, on your cell phone, you see that scam likely call. A lot of people answer it they and, and then they hang up. You shouldn't answer it because when you when you answer it and then hang up, they know it's a live call, right? Sometimes, you know, we, we, we see it and we're, we just don't dismiss it, but we answer it and we, 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 we click off of it real quick. They know it's a live call. Robocalls. Remember, off the top, robocalls are illegal, especially if there's a sales pitch. Unless you've given specific information for a company to call you, a robocall off the top is illegal. So if you answer a robocall and you get the message that says press one to see, press two to be taken off our list, remember that call is fraudulent from the get-go. So if you press two, you're not going to be taken off a list. You're going to be put on a list. <laughs> so stay away from robocalls. Stay away from scam calls. Again, I know you sometimes it's it's just you're mad and you want to give them a piece of your mind. Trust me, I'll do that for you. When I get those calls, uh, you don't, you don't let me handle it. Yeah. Let me handle it. You don't just, just report it to me that it happened and you're good to go. Don't yeah. answer those calls. I think it's so important because last time we were talking about this, I started just, I mean, I preached it, man. I got the yeah. gospel. I got it and said, guys, listen, this is important. People would look at me with that glazed look. You're kidding me. I thought that's what, but the, I think it's important for everybody to know that now. Scanning a, a scam. I want to know what QR codes and what you're talking about. Okay, so there are tons of QR code scams out there. But again, when I say QR code, I'm talking about a quick reference code. It looks like a little barcode. It's really small and you take your phone and you scan it and it, it automatically takes you to an internet website. So we're talking about these are things you scan on your phone. And remember, when you're online on your phone on a website, you can't see the full URL. So you don't really know where you are. Right. So you have to be really careful online on your phone anyway. But so when you scan a code, there are a lot of legitimate reasons why you would scan a code. Right. Maybe it's a it's a uh, it could be a menu, a restaurant menu or, or just a, a way to pay. Right. But there are a lot of scammers have a lot of fake codes. So a lot of what we see here in Memphis and really all over the country. But what's happening in Memphis, specifically downtown, is parking meters and parking garages. OK, this is one uh, that's that's actively happening. You got to be really, really careful. Um, we got reports of the last month of, of parking meters around the Beale Street area downtown 
that have fake QR code. Uh, well, it's not a fake QR code. It's a, it's a real sticker with a fake QR code on it that makes it seem like you're supposed to scan that code to pay for your parking. If you do this, it will take you to a website where you put in your information. As far as what we, we reached out to the city of Memphis, there are no legitimate QR codes on parking meters downtown. So someone, some scammer has taken a sticker and put it on that, on that parking meter for you to scan. And if you were to do that, you would be prompted to pay money to park. That's fraudulent. What would happen would be the scammers would have your, your, your credit card number, but also you could get a ticket because you didn't pay to park. The other place we see this is in parking garages, specifically parking garages downtown. A lot of times when you park, you have to walk to that kiosk to pay, right? And so what's happening is, again, there, there are being stickers put on these kiosks, and there's not usually anyone around to ask. You know, there's no customer service. There's not, a, there's not a person to talk to. You're dealing with a machine. And if you're not used to parking in that specific place, it can sometimes be really confusing on how to pay to park. And so you may see a QR code, and you may be like, oh, I'll just scan that. And you do it, and it takes you to a, to a place to park. You pay that money. Well, then you come back, and you got a boot on your car because that, that QR code didn't take you to a legitimate site. It took you to a false site. Right. So this happens all the time. We are getting dozens of reports of this on downtown parking garages. And I'll tell you, I saw it and experienced it myself a couple of weeks ago. I was down at the law school um, for a for a conference and I, I was late and I had to park oh, in a, a minute, parking. Wait a minute. That's, that's you personally. Yes, you, I personally Daniel experienced Irwin? this this scam. Now, this? I didn't I didn't pay the money, okay, but I okay. but I, I did. Yeah, I didn't pay the money, but I almost did. <laughs> I was in a parking garage. Yeah. I was running late and I wasn't thinking right. And I was, I was at a parking garage and I saw the, 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 the kiosk and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try this to see. There's a 50, 50 chance this isn't legit. I scanned it and immediately I was like, Oh, this is not right. Wow. <laughs> now, a lot of the red flags I saw were first off, there's a lot of misspellings, right? We call it scammer grammar. But the main thing I saw was there was no reference to the location that I was at. There was no reference to downtown Memphis. There was no reference to the address. There was no reference to the manager of the property or the manager of the parking garage. So that was the biggest red flag that I saw. So again, these are downtown. They're happening everywhere. Be really careful, especially parking meters and downtown parking garages. Second place we're seeing a lot of this is on gas station pumps. If you notice when you go pump gas, you will usually see somewhere a QR code. Usually it's it you know it telling you to 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 pay. Now what scammers are doing is they're taking stickers and they're putting them on top of legitimate stickers. So you don't know that it's it, it you have no idea where that's going to go, right? But so on some gas pumps there may be legitimate stickers, but others there may be non-legitimate stickers and you will never know some of these sites are so real that you just don't know so i would be really i would never tell anybody to, to scan anything at a gas station uh, i would stay away from that right but one of the things again that's happening is when you scan that code you put in it could be all sorts of information you just don't know where you're going with that so you just got to be really careful real quick we're seeing them in gas stations particularly uh, particularly around the university of memphis area we've had a lot of reports of them around the u of m and then in bartlett and caught and in carterville for some reason we get a lot of reports uh, of these qr codes these fake qr codes at gas stations in carterville and in bartlett okay and then the other thing you need to be on the lookout for, and this one's pretty crazy, they're fake restaurant menus that are going around Memphis that purport to be real restaurants, but they're not. 
And this is one that kind of we, we hear all the time about travel scams. This is one that sometimes uh, will, will will sometimes target people that aren't familiar with the city of Memphis. And particularly, there are two fake restaurant menus with QR codes that are circulating around Memphis right now that some of you may have seen. One of them is called Tiger Tom's Salads and Subs, and it claims to be the official sub sandwich of Anthony Hardaway. Now, this menu was put on top of cars at hotels. It was just, you know, a, a flyer that was placed on cars at hotels in East Memphis and around University of Memphis. If you were to take this menu, uh, the first thing you would notice, the big red flag, would be that they misspelled Anthony Hardaway's name. Um, so if he was the official sub of Anthony Hardaway, I don't think they would have done that. But it would you'd scan the code, and it would take you to a website, which made it look like it was a real restaurant, and you would order food, and you'd pay online, and you would never get that food because the restaurant doesn't exist. Tiger Tom's purported to be, uh, they gave a location on the website. It's actually a church on Highland Avenue. Mm. The phone number that it gave does not exist. We tried to call it. It, it was disconnected. We actually went to the church, showed them what the, the menu. They were like, that's not us. We have nothing to do with this. And again, we're getting lots of reports of that. Specifically around the East Memphis area, it was, it was, um, it was circulating around hotels uh, around the Poplar 240 area. Okay, so again, this one you're looking for. It's it, it, the Tiger Tom's. It's it's a it's a photocopy of of a, of a menu. When you scan it, it takes you to a website that looks legitimate and purports to be in Memphis. There is not a restaurant named Tiger Tom's in Memphis. So again, it's a fake restaurant, but people from all over are getting scammed with this. We've had lots of reports of it. The second fake restaurant menu that's circulating around is called Jasper's East Coast Pizza. Now. There is a chain restaurant on the East Coast based out of New Jersey that does exist, but they don't have a location in Memphis. But people have been getting these flyers all over. And again, if you scan the code, it'll take you to a lookalike website and it'll say that they're located in Memphis. They actually give an address on Poplar. That's another popular restaurant. It's not this pizza place. Um, it's a restaurant we all would know off the top of our head. So it's it's fake. And again, they give another fake number. Um and, and again, you just have to be really, really careful because if you're from Memphis, you probably would look at these and you'd be like, that's not real. But we have so many, tourism is such a big deal here in Memphis. And the last thing we want is for someone to come to Memphis to spend their hard-earned money and then get scammed. So that's why it may not directly affect you, right? You may see one of these phony menus and you may know off the top, oh, this is a scam. But you still need to report it because our tourists are the ones that are falling for this scam and they're reporting it to us and it's leaving a bad taste of Memphis in their mouth. And we don't want that to happen because we want them to come back for our big events. And I expect to see more of this specifically around Tiger football games, yeah. right? Um, so, you know, with first home game, I believe is coming up in a couple weeks, uh, be on the lookout for this menu. I promise you that menu will probably be circulating around on cars in parking lots. So just be really, really careful. And again, if you don't know that it's real, like if, 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 it's, if it's a name that you've never heard before, Google it, do something. Don't just scan a code. Um, you always need to know who it is that's giving you a code before you scan it. Because again, once you scan that code, you have no idea where it's taking you. You know, Daniel, I think what you do, you're passionate about this. Of course, Daniel Irwin's telephone number is 759-1300. He is the Director of Public Relations for the Better Business Bureau of the Mid-South. It's D. Irwin, I-R-W-I-N, at bbbmidsouth.org. If you want to ask Daniel a question or report a phone call or report something that you've seen, 
Daniel is Daniel. You know, I sense that you might live a skeptical life. Is that is that real? I mean, yeah, I'm I'm pretty jaded. My wife gets really <laughs> mad at me uh, a lot of times. I I um I, and this is something else I preach. We're we, as a society, we're we're ingrained to give way more information than we really need to be. Um, and so a lot of times, a wife gets embarrassed because I'll go to a, a restaurant. Uh, or, or I was at a, a sub sandwich shop the other day and I was just ordering a sandwich and they wanted to know my phone number and my email address. And I was like, no, you don't need that. I want a sandwich. You don't need my phone number for that. Here's my money. Yeah. And I refuse to give that kind of stuff. And I, so she gets really embarrassed when I do that. But I you got to be, you, you got to be careful. I just bought something. I want to talk about buying something online next time you come in. I know we wanted to, but, but so important on this scan uh, the scamming of scans, and, and that's so easy to do. We get caught up, and you're right. I think we're, by nature, not skeptical. We're right. trusting. But uh, I think you teach us uh, here at Scam School when we do this to be a little more skeptical, a little more aware of what's going on. I appreciate yeah, that, sir. Definitely. got to be always be aware because, again, you never know what's real and what's not. So you got to be careful. Daniel Orwin, Better Business Bureau. His telephone number is 759-1300, 759-1300. Uh, so much appreciate you, Daniel. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Thanks. I want to thank my guests, Kevin Westbrook, Dr. Westbrook, Rob Clement, and, of course, Daniel Orwin. You've had questions for Daniel. You can reach him at 759-1300. Our questions for Kevin or Rob, you can reach them, of course, at 757-5757. I'll give you out uh, the number for Kevin Westbrook, personal number, 258-0227. He is, of course, the principal at Strategic AIM Consulting. If you have to like to listen to our show again, Talk Money, or you can just simply go to any Apple podcast, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker and subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. If you have questions, type JIM to text line 901 683 0989. That's 901 683 0989. Or you can send them to Talk Money at shoemakerfinancial.com. Next week, my guest, Greg Vellier, Chief U.S. Policy Strategy. He'll give us the Washington update. And Scott Jordan and Jim Whitehead, we're going to be talking about some economic decisions you have to make. That's Saturday morning at 7 a.m. and again Sunday at 12 noon. I want to thank our producer, Tyler Springs, guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner, production and marketing assistant, Lord Norsworthy, and our compliance officer, Mr. Tommy Armstrong. Thanks so much for listening. We're here for you. We're here every week helping you make the most of your money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker is a registered representative and investment advisor representative of Securian Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Rob Clement is a registered representative of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money. This has been Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker on News Talk 98.9.